they had told me ahead of time, they're like, well, we think he's deaf. Well, no, maybe he just has selective hearing. Okay, he's already missing an eye, and we think he's got an ulcer in the remaining eye. He's 10 years old. And I was like, okay, sounds like he's going to be a handful, but we'll, we'll make this work. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, we welcome Megan Levins, creator of the webcomic The Goobies, and we have some eagerly awaited updates on past guests of the show. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love Dog Words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Thanks to everyone who's downloaded, subscribed, rated, and shared dog words. Now that you're a follower of the podcast, take the next step and become a participant. Let us know what you want to hear. Go to rosiefund.org and send suggestions for topics and guests. And everyone, please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, peaches, and shelter dogs, including some exclusive content. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Before we talk to Megan, here are some updates on past guests. First, RK Dog Bar from episode 101 and 111 is open for business. A link is in this episode's description for all of the details on their policies and protocols. To maintain social distancing, they are limiting capacity. They have a nifty page on their website with a capacity tracker and a live view of their entrance, so you can see if they have a line. FYI, the page is super easy to use on a smartphone. Go to barkadogbar.com slash capacity dash tracking. Again, just use the link in the description. In episode 104 of Dog Words, we introduced you to KC Pet Project foster volunteer Angie Stadnick and her long-term foster Darwin. I am so excited to report that Darwin has found his forever home. I know that this is bittersweet for Angie, not just because he was in her home for two years, but because he is such a special, loving boy who's been waiting a long time for the right person. Angie is going to miss her little clown, but she knows he finally has his own space that he doesn't have to share with any other pets. If you've ever considered fostering a shelter pet, or if you just want to learn more about the important work that fosters do, listen to Angie share the story of Darwin in episode 104. Or listen to one of the many other foster episodes we have. Just check out our archives at rosiefund.org. And our final update is on Sissy from episode 114 with Shep's Place Senior Dog Sanctuary founder, Russell Clothier. While the home is a wonderful place for a dog to spend its senior years, some dogs choose to move on to other accommodations, such as Sissy, who found a pharmacist in Lawrence, Kansas, who's going to spoil her like she deserves. Russell Clothier also joined us for episode 103 to share the story of Shep's Place. Check it out in the archives. Congratulations to Darwin, Sissy, and their new families. Today on Dog Words, we welcome Megan Levins to the podcast. Welcome, Megan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We have had a variety of dog lovers on the show. You are our first fine artist. So welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you were brought to our attention when we saw the wonderful graphic cartoons that you have done called The Goobies. And we want to find out more about the artwork that you do. But first, tell us what The Goobies is, I guess, and then how <laughs> The Goobies got started. 
Well, the name itself, I have two rescue Boston Terriers and one of my neighbors before he learned their names would just call them the Goobies because they wear Gooby harnesses. And that was the first thing he remembered mm-hmm. about them. And it was such a cute, catchy, easy to remember name that I thought, well, if when I started the webcomic about them, that was just, that had to be the, the title. I wanted to produce a comic that was something I could do in my own free time around my other larger projects. I draw comic books as my day job. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool way to live. <laughs> I get mm-hmm. to stay home with my dogs all day, but I'm normally working on contract jobs. So I'm drawing someone else's story even if it's creator-owned, uh, I'm working with a script writer or I'm drawing something licensed like Star Wars or Star Trek. And for me, I, I just wanted to do something that would be easy to keep up with. So, you know, short strips, but that they say to write what you know and what I know is working from home and living and spending a great deal of time with my two dogs. So that seems like something I would have plenty of material for. Not going to run it, out. No, not going to run out of material. You know, the cast will always update and I'll always have the same enthusiasm for it. You know, (laughs) one of the things that caught our attention with the Goobies and I will link to your Patreon page that will be in the description as well as your uh, Shopify site will be linked in our description for our listeners to follow. There are lots of cartoons that feature animals. Yours is more than just a cartoon with dogs in it or dogs being main characters, but it explores the relationship that people have with dogs. It's not a cartoon relationship. It's not Snoopy and Charlie Brown. As much as you might love Snoopy and Charlie Brown, there's some things that are certainly a lot of artistic license on the part (laughs) of Charles Schultz. Yeah. Even though you take artistic license and anthropomorphize the dogs... There's some honesty to the relationship there, some real life things that seem to inspire the work. Can you talk about some of those inspirations? I do think a lot on on how unique our relationship with dogs is, like our evolution as two species. I'm, I'm fascinated by watching documentaries about how we domesticated wolves and then how we manipulated their DNA and how, you know, dogs communicate with us and learned our communication cues and we learned theirs in such a way that we just don't have with that many other animals on the planet. That one of my most fascinating facts about dogs and wolves is you think how expressive a dog's face is. Yeah. Wolves do not have eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, so obviously it, that's something we bred into them or that yeah, was because we could read selected. It's like, yeah, we, we had the dog yeah. breed that we connected yeah. with. Yeah, like eyebrows are a key point of expression on a human face and having dogs that could communicate with that as well must have been appealing to us Mm -hmm. and made it easier to understand what they were feeling or get our point across to them. So but that's something that has always fascinated me and growing up with dogs, you know, they were always part of the family. I grew up on not necessarily a working farm, but definitely a rural area. We had lots of outdoor dogs when I was a child, but they were always extensions of the nuclear family. They went with us everywhere. They, you know, received the same kind of care that we did. And when I was in junior high, my mom fostered our first rescue dog, who was a foster failure before very long, Emmy, a schnauzer mix. And Emmy was probably the smartest 
most developed personality I had ever met in a dog until then. So she was kind of like the kickoff point of thinking of dogs as like little people, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like she could count. We took her for walks around the the high school track. And when we bumped up our mileage after four laps, she'd head back to the car. <laughs> she directed all the other dogs around the house. Like we said, she was the activities director and I've just always been fascinated with how their little personalities fit into a family unit or for me being single and working from home and spending a lot of time at home, they are so much of my socialization and so much of my emotional connection, especially now under quarantine, having those two little personalities as someone I can talk to or communicate on some level, you know, I'm sure they don't know everything that I'm saying, but they understand we're communicating about things. All and they day pick and up that, on your energy. They know when you need attention, they know when you need space. And they, they've definitely helped keep me from getting too cabin fever because I'm fortunate enough to live here in a, an area of Johnson County that I can safely walk them for like two or three miles and be able to maintain a, a proper responsible social distance they remind me I need to go outside and get some sunshine mm-hmm. and wave to the neighbors, even if I can't go up and say hi. So so how long ago did you start the Goobies? Just two months. I was planning to attend Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City. That's my, you know, my new hometown show. And I thought I would do a soft launch for the Goobies that weekend. And when Planet was rightly canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I had all the promotional materials. I had stickers I had made of my dogs and the various characters and all these postcards. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead. I, I've got strips done. I'll go ahead and launch it. I'll do an online thing. And it actually wound up being a pretty big success as web comics go for how short a time it's been going. Do you have experience with other web comics or is your work primarily been contract work? It's primarily been contract for comic books for like the monthly printed editions. I did a webcomic back about 10 years ago when I was working full-time as a storyboard artist for television commercials. And that one didn't last very long. And I don't think the strip format worked very well for the story. It was autobiographical. It was about, you know, at the time, this was right after the 2008 crash where I lost my storyboarding job for a whole two weeks (laughs) and then decided to use my paid out vacation that I got when I was laid off to go flip out and go to Brazil. So I wrote a little autobio webcomic about Mm -hmm. that, but kind of lost track of it as comics work picked up. So I kind of knew a little bit about webcomics, but not about running a very successful one. (laughs) Do you have your next several weeks or months of stories planned out or is it just as you go? Ideally, I like to have a week ahead. I'm not there right now. Uh, (laughs) I have about three or four scripted in my head to where I I know what the visuals are going to look like. The, The actual words are the last piece that I put together, but I have ideas for the next week and a half I've got one right on my uh, drawing tablet right now that's going to go up tomorrow. So I'm running a little bit close, but I'm keeping up with the, with the release schedule. If I were so. your editor, I would be nervous. <laughs> my editors know I, I work very well under pressure. <laughs> but in this case, you are your editor. I know it's going to get done. I know it's going to go up. <laughs> and you're really looking at your dogs for content. So it's, it's yes. kind of on them. Yeah. They need to supply you storylines. Have you solicited storylines from friends and relatives and neighbors? 
A few, uh, maybe not so much storylines. I did reach out to an Instagram friend recently. I want to do a print more than a, a strip, but a print that ties in about perfectly imperfect dogs. So, you know, my family's three-legged American bulldog Brody, who just passed over the Rainbow Bridge, and my dog Bones, who has one eye and is a senior. Uh, he was 10 years old when I adopted him, and he's 12 now. And then I reached out to a friend who has a wheeling pug who uses a wheelchair. Uh-huh. And so I kind of want to do a print featuring these, these dogs that are missing parts or maybe don't look like, you know, like if your traditional idea of a dog that has a good life is a dog that's in perfect health and shape, then you wouldn't think that these dogs are adoptable or living their full lives, but they really do. <laughs> well, let me pitch this to you. Uh, I'll take this chance on the air yeah. that, uh, no one else steals this, that you can, you have first right of refusal on this. Okay. Several years ago, volunteering at KC Pet Project at Zona Rosa, they've moved locations and reconfigured the setup, but in their old space, all the kennels faced into a center area. So it was a big U on three walls. Yeah. So all the dogs are looking at each other and one dog would bark and then everybody would bark or a dog <laughs> would be taken yeah. in or out of the shelter and then everybody barks. Yeah. And this one particular afternoon, just the energy in that place was just everybody barking, <laughs> everybody on edge, and everybody had thoughts about everything. There was a black lab puppy. Mm-hmm. He was probably six months old that had been shot in the shoulder and had to have one of its front legs taken off. Three-legged dog. I took that dog out of its kennel for a walk. Perfect silence. Every dog stopped and just watched, and it was like they knew he's special. Yeah, and he he needs the he needs the calm energy. Let's, We're going to give him the relax. calm respect. Let's show some respect. Yeah. yeah, and I went out the door, and it was just silence behind me that all <laughs> these dogs respected him somehow, and it was just the most beautiful thing. I get a little choked up just thinking about the way That's those kind- dogs responded to him. That's kind of how Brody was in my mom's pack because she she would get these ones that had, you know, one of them, I like to joke that we think she was owned by a meth dealer because she would end up in animal control every time the guy got arrested. Mm-hmm. And so now whenever she heard sirens on TV, like cop shows, she would freak out and start shaking. But all of these different personalities would come together in sort of an uneasy piece. But Brody... Nobody messed with Brody. There was never any dog in that pack that had any tension with Brody. Mm-hmm. They never growled or snapped at him. It was amazing to watch this this 80, I don't know, like 65, 70 big dog lumbering through on three mm-hmm. legs, and no one gave him any trouble. He just had they the just, right energy. He was the happiest, gentlest soul, and they all just kind of were like, we don't mess with Brody. Brody's okay. <laughs> Do you have ideas for any other web comics now that this one's been uh, well-received in its brief life, or is your focus really just on your I think, the goobies I think also, and your contract work that keeps you busy enough? It does. I think keeping up with the goobies will, will keep me busy and also give me, you know, I, like I say, I don't think I'll run out of material. I think keeping up with that and then my, my other work, that'll be fulfilling for a while. <laughs> 
and it'll be fun to see what the Goobies evolves into mm-hmm. after it's been out there a little longer. And well, you'll see what people respond to, what they like, exactly. and uh, exactly. And you have the freedom since it's your web comic to go whatever direction you want, as far as yeah. how often you publish and whether you have yeah. story arcs and yeah, and what dogs get added to the pack. Exactly. Your other work, you mentioned that uh, you have comics that you contribute to, that you're uh, some monthly comics and Star Trek, Star Wars. With those, there are parameters that you don't have as much freedom for the look. You have to fit the look of that brand. To some some degree. I've been... I've been pretty fortunate in that regard. Uh, the Star Trek title that I worked on was, uh, they definitely needed you to capture the likeness to mm-hmm. a certain degree. And they would have the CBS licensors look at the way you draw the actors and say, okay, this looks a little too, you know, I, I was drawing the cast of the 2009 reboot. So they're like, Chris Pine's eyebrows are a little too mm-hmm. much here. And <laughs> which was a, an inside joke with me and my editor for a while. But, uh, but generally they were not handsome enough. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, here's a feature that the art, the actor is insecure about. Mm -hmm. So tone that down, but still make it look like them, but tone it down. (laughs) But I was, I've been very fortunate that the licensed stuff that I've worked on, they've been very happy with letting me bring my own style to it. So I don't have to copy someone else's style as long as the likeness and the, the details are accurate to what you see in the show or the movie. They hired you because they liked what you can do. Exactly. And, you know, with Star Wars, it was the all ages line. So that it could be a little more cartoony and a little more stylized was exactly what they wanted for younger audiences. Without any of that guidance, how did you settle on a style for the Goobies? I settled on something that felt natural to me, but that would be easy to produce quickly. I said, okay, it's going to be four panels and I need a style that's going to feel like me. It's going to have, you know, my distinct voice but i want to be able to draw it quickly because you know again like if if i start running behind due to other deadlines i want to be able to knock one of these out in three hours the night before if i have to so i settled on you know limited color i found a brush in photoshop that i like and that's exclusively what i draw it with yeah i encourage our all our listeners to check it out i would describe it as stylized but realistic that's a pretty good description of just my work in general i Mm -hmm. i in comics people tend to describe me as more cartoony because there's for you know mainstream american comics there's a lot of darker more detailed realism in the superhero Mm -hmm. comics and i'm not that but i'm also much more realistic than sunday morning paper comic strips yeah i would say anyone who knows the dogs or the people that yeah. you're representing the Goobies would recognize. It's like, that's, I know that's that a, dog. That's a goal for me. Uh, I was really happy with the, when I posted uh, on Mother's Day, I posted a dog mom, one of, of me and three of my favorite best friend dog moms and m- one of my, my good friends. Am I allowed to name drop here? Sure. <laughs> okay. She, her name is Tiffany Polly, and she runs a small business here in KC uh, called Cheeky Chic Bows, which are bow ties for pets. Yeah, give a shout out. Yeah, uh, com, But yeah, my boys wear them in the comic. So I'll link, kind of, I'll, I'll link that in the description too. Fabulous. But uh, yeah, I drew her in, in the, the Dog Moms cartoon. And she has two Bostons as well. And it was very important to me that in a cartoon with four Boston Terriers, that you could tell which one of them was which. 
if you line them all up. And, uh-huh. and one of my friends was like, oh, that looks just like George with his white old man eyebrows. I'm like, yes, thank you. That's the, that's the point. Because it, it comes back to kind of similar to drawing actors for licensed comic mm-hmm. books. It's a stylized likeness. Yeah, you capture the essence of this is yeah. what makes them who they are. Exactly. Or identifiable. And, and for Bones, you know, it's not just that he only has one eye. He's also got a very specific smile. And I, I like when I can capture his goofy little smile as well as, okay, well, of course that's Bones. He's missing an eye. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of cheating. It's just, yeah. just a one-eyed dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that the Goobies, again, explores the relationships. Yeah, I, I wanted to celebrate. I mean, I wanted it to show... Again, coming back to, to senior and harder to adopt dogs. My first dog, Ozzy, was a year old when I finally adopted him. He was an owner surrender. Again, a purebred Boston, so I probably bought him from a backyard breeder or a puppy mill and decided that he was really cute, and then they got bored of having a dog. Mm-hmm. And they surrendered him to my mom who called me. I lived in California still at the time. And she called me and said, I think I found your dog. I flew across the country and drove back to California with him because he was my dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, then Bones, my senior, I always had a, a soft spot for older dogs. Ozzy just happened to happen as a puppy or a very young dog. And I got involved because I loved Ozzy so much. And he was a Boston Terrier, just happened to be a Boston. I got involved with Mid-America Boston Terrier Rescue here in Kansas City and started fostering for them and took in Bones. I had a, a one foster before him who was young, cute, puppy mill rescue, had some behavioral issues, but you know was generally just a cute, bubbly, sweet, sure. placed easily after two weeks. And I took Bones in and I had him for a couple of hours and I was just so charmed by his personality. Like, you know, I, they had told me ahead of time, they're like, well, we think he's deaf. Well, no, maybe he just has selective hearing. Okay, he's already missing an eye, and we think he's got an ulcer in the remaining eye. He's 10 years old. And I was like, okay, sounds like he's going to be a handful, but we'll, we'll make this work. He got along so beautifully with Ozzy. He just settled right in. I have a, a pillow on one of my chairs that says home. And the first thing he did was he jumped up and he like hugged it. <laughs> like he was trying to tell me something. Yeah, he had picked you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But he was wondering was, why it took you a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, really? It took Come on, you lady. Let's, let's <laughs> He's like, I knew immediately. Yeah, so after two weeks and fielding adoption applications for him, the the thing that people consistently kept telling me was, he looks wonderful, but we're so scared of losing him. So, like, soon after we adopt him, like, because he's older, we're worried that we won't have much time mm-hmm. with him. And I thought, okay, well, that's a dumb excuse because every day that I spend with this little guy is amazing. And he'd also had the unique experience as a rescue. This is very atypical for rescues. He had a wonderful, loving home for nine years. And the only reason he was surrendered was because she had to move out of the country. And at his age, putting him through quarantine to go to Hong Mm -hmm. Kong was just, it was an intense choice for her to have to make. So he didn't come with baggage from abuse. He was like, no, I've been, I've had birthday parties. I've been on Instagram before. I I know what this is about. 
<laughs> so he just was a perfect little happy spirit that every day that I got to, to spend with him was, I'm like, this is worth it. If, yeah. if this is all I get, this is absolutely worth it. <laughs> and no dog comes with a guarantee. Our, our sweet Rosie, we were only planning to foster her for four weeks. Then we had her for 88 weeks. Yeah. She was about six years old when we adopted her and she was senior because she had a hard life. Yeah. Uh, We're in our fifth year with Peaches who we adopted when she was nine. Yeah. I mean, Ozzy, I adopted him him at one and at three and a half, he was diagnosed with inoperable mast cell tumor that had already spread to a lymph node. So thankfully, I mean, he had incredible care at Mizzou and he's now like two years in remission. He's outlived his prognosis by nine months at this point, I think. <laughs> but, you know, I had a, a perfectly healthy young three-year-old dog who had inoperable cancer, and they said he's got a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to tell people how to live their lives, but, yeah. but don't let a dog's age be the determining factor. Pick the dog exactly. that's going to give you love and that you're going to love. And if it's, if it's a day or a lifetime, yeah. it's precious. Yeah. And, and Bones continues to absolutely live up to the idea that age is nothing but a number. When I, when I first adopted him, he didn't walk as far as Ozzy. I got him a backpack carrier so he could come with us. And then I started walking a lot more gradually over the last year. And he just sort of ramped up with me to where he'll go for a mile and a half some days if he wants to. He, he gets it in him. And he, I know when he starts heading out towards the main road that he wants to go for a long walk and he'll go the hallway and he feels great. And he plays, he gets excited when he sees people mm-hmm. and he'll do his little play bow. He's got tons of energy. So you'd never know he was 12. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen so many Casey pet project, senior dogs that were overweight yeah. that go into foster and then there's a foster fail and you see yeah. them a year later yeah. and they look five years younger. Yeah. They have the energy, they've lost the weight because yeah. they're not living in a kennel. Yeah. Once they've got, you know, the active or just the, the level of activity that they need mm-hmm. at whatever stage of life they, they need it. But and yeah, it may not be that they're getting five mile walks every day. It's right. that they're just getting, getting to play every day, yeah. even if they're yeah. not leaving the house. Yeah. You know, bones, bones will never be my jogging buddy. That's mm-hmm. Aussie. I, I dream that I will be able to train myself to a strength that I can carry bones in the backpack while running a 5k, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> he would love it. He would absolutely love it. The scenery, the people, the attention, because everyone's going to cheer you. Yes. Every group oh. you pass. I get cheers just walking with him in that thing. Cause you know, people think it's like the most extraordinary thing you've ever done for a dog to carry them. But I'm like, look, he's only 20 pounds. It's not that bad. And he's happy. He's just sitting back there smiling at everyone. He's at eye level. So again, before social distancing, people could come up and just give him pets and smooch him. And he's like, great. I don't even, have, I'm on their eye level. This is amazing. <laughs> it's something that brings you joy. Yes. To see him happy makes me happy. By doing something for him, which is a lesson I think we can all learn is you give that love, you give that joy, and it comes back a thousandfold. The biggest thing I've learned from my dogs is, and it sounds overly simplistic, but finding joy in small things in the moment, they don't think, okay, this is terrible now, but tomorrow something good is going to happen or tomorrow we're going to go on this trip. It's like, oh my God. We're going to go to the Starbucks drive-in. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. We get to go do this thing that we love with mom. 
and then we might get something tasty and that's awesome. Or when I hook up Ozzy for a walk and then I put bones in the backpack, he's like, I get to go too. This is awesome. And <laughs> well, when we ask peaches, if, and I have to look around here to make sure yeah. she's not with yeah. an earshot. <laughs> yeah. If she wants to go for a ride. Yeah. Sometimes it's to the vet to have surgery. And yeah. sometimes it's to get a pup cup at some yeah. drive through or to go yeah. to bar K. Yeah. She reacts the same way every time. She assumes yeah. the best and yeah. then just rolls with whatever happens. Yeah. And I love watching Ozzy's reaction because Ozzy remembers places very well. So when we pull into bar K, Ozzy knows where we are. Mm -hmm. And he just starts to, to whimper and shake like, oh, my God, we're at Disneyland. <laughs> we uh, we uh, cross the Kitbon Bridge. Mm -hmm. And if we're going somewhere else and we yeah. don't take that first exit after we cross the bridge. Yeah. She oh, she raises high hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have missed the exit. I, uh, we've so, been no, but we're going to go to Loose Park. We're going to go walk yeah. in Loose Park. You like that too. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy will, uh, on our walks, we pass the Starbucks that we usually drive through. And occasionally, like, I've walked there and, and ordered ahead and run in, grab my drink mm -hmm. and come out. And we've passed it a couple times. He was like, okay, there's Starbucks. I'm like, no, honey, it's, we can't go in now. Coronavirus. But he's like, I don't understand. Where's my pup cup? <laughs> well, our, our bank gives dog treats at the drive-thru. Mm, yeah. uh, my wife is on, uh, belongs to an organization that she was on the board of that had a different bank that also gave treats at the drive-thru and then so many yeah. restaurants. Now we're going through more drive-thrus where we used yes. to be selective that we just yeah. would go through a drive-thru where she would get a treat. Now we have to drive through or go curbside to places yeah. that don't have a pup cup. Yeah. The nerve I know. of these people. Because <laughs> she, she's expecting everyone yeah. has something for me. Yes. <laughs> Oh, the best. I, I think this will be a strip at some point. I haven't figured out how quite to, to condense this idea down into four panels. That makes sense. But when I moved into this apartment complex, uh, it's in a little cul-de-sac and the maintenance ground crew drive around in golf carts and they always carry dog. It's a very dog friendly complex. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful to the, to the local dogs and the maintenance guys and the groundskeepers, they always carry milk bones with them. And so the first couple of days we were here and one of the golf carts pulled over and the guy gave Ozzy a, a, a cookie. And now Ozzy thinks that that's the ice cream truck. So if he sees the <laughs> golf carts driving around, he will follow them. He's been doing this for two and a half years now. He loves it. He will, he's ridden on the golf carts with them. He will jump on. and. <laughs> well, you'll never be able to move to a golf course community. Yes. No, he will. He, <laughs> he'll be People constantly across. driving by. Yes. <laughs> Don't they know? What's wrong with us people? Yeah. He's like, where are the treats? I would like to speak <laughs> with the management. Yes. Ozzy would very much like to I speak have with thoughts. management. <laughs> Again, I encourage our listeners to check out the links in the description for all of your work, but particularly your Patreon page with the Goobies. And I look forward to visiting with you again when you have updates on how the Goobies is expanding and how you've added other uh, marketing <laughs> outlets with it once we have the the mugs and plush toys and clothing oh, yeah. and everything associated with the Goobies and just anything else you're up to, we will update our listeners. So just keep us up to date. Fabulous. Fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, uh, just to let all your listeners know, the Goobies updates every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday. The Tuesday and Thursday strips are 
patron only, but so they're available to all levels of supporters on my Patreon, but the Sunday strips will always remain free. So if you wanted to go follow the link and check that out, you could read all the Sunday installments and see if you liked it first and see if it was really your thing before becoming a contributor. Well, again, listeners, check it out. And thank you so much for sharing part of your day with us, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you again to Megan Levins. Be sure to check out her Patreon page at patreon.com slash Megan Levins, M-E-G-A-N-L-E-V-E-N-S. It's linked in the episode description. Just click on the link. Also, visit barkdogbar.com for the latest on how they're ramping back up. I also want to thank alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Also, check out fiddlelife.com for drunken fiddles online, Laurel's virtual fiddle classes. Support Rosie Fund by following us on social media, and please subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel. You can support Rosie Fund's mission of helping senior and harder-to-adopt dogs by choosing Rosie Fund as your charity with Amazon Smile. It costs you nothing. Amazon has money to give to charities and wants your help identifying worthy causes. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share Dog Words. This helps us with sponsorships. Then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other.